Welcome to the Philida Baptist Church Podcast. Well, it's the Christmas season, and this officially starts off our new series titled From Humbug to Hallelujah. So are you feeling crabby at Christmas, or maybe sad, or frustrated, or disappointed? God did not intend for Christmas to give us an attitude of humbug, but of hallelujah. One way we can change our attitude is by treasuring the gift God has given us. So let's join Pastor Scott Roberson for part one entitled God's Gift to the World. Good morning. How are you doing? Anybody feeling like that guy right there? No. You probably wouldn't admit it, but you might be. I I was having a conversation with my wife recently, and she was telling me about uh, a conversation she had with a checker at a grocery store. This was the day before Thanksgiving. She had to kind of go and make a last-minute trip, went early to avoid the crowds, and got talking to this guy and, and observed that, you know, it seems like pretty much once the holiday season hits, this store is just busy all the time, just always packed. And he agreed. He said, yeah, that's really how it is. Uh, and he said, actually, when people come in to do their grocery shopping this time of year, they're often in a very bad mood. And uh, he summed it up like this. He said, if there is a spirit of Christmas, it's an evil spirit. Wow, what a humbug attitude that is. Huh? But I guess if, if you spend your Christmas dealing with people who are tired and impatient and crabby, it's maybe understandable why you would feel that way. I know I can feel a bit humbuggy about Christmas. Probably sounds sacrilegious, me being a pastor and all, but uh, it's not that I don't love Jesus. It's not that I don't want to celebrate his birth. It's just I get distracted from the meaning of the holiday easily by so many other things, you know, like uh, driving through crowded parking lots. And going into crowded stores. And then, worst of all, trying to figure out what in the world to buy for people who don't need anything, something that they might like that I can actually afford. (laughs) Now, maybe you're not like that. Maybe you don't mind the shopping. Maybe you don't mind the crowds. Maybe you don't mind the busyness of it all, but you know, you might, you might have other reasons for struggling with Christmas. You know, maybe Christmas makes you think of loved ones who aren't here anymore and you miss them. Maybe Christmas brings up broken relationships. Maybe, maybe financial troubles. Maybe uh, poor health keeps you from doing the things that you'd like to do for Christmas. Or You know, maybe just seeing other people celebrate makes you feel lonely, makes you feel left out. That's pretty common. You just kind of feel like, what's the point? Bah, humbug. But Christmas wasn't meant to give us a humbug attitude. You know, as you read in the Bible, the story of Jesus' birth, you know, the main attitude that comes out is joy. Joy. When Jesus is born and an angel makes this announcement to some shepherds, 
He says in Luke 2, The angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Good news of great joy. Not humbug. Hallelujah. So we're going to spend a few weeks thinking about how we can get our attitudes from humbug to hallelujah. Now, if you're already there, if you're already at hallelujah, great, awesome. Spread it around. I hope, I hope that these messages, we look into God's word, that God will just motivate you to share that joy with, with checkers and, and other people who maybe are down at the humbug end of the scale. And if that's where you're at, if you're down there, I, I, my prayer is that God will, will bring hallelujah to our hearts as we think about Christmas. And as I was thinking about this, as I was thinking about what the Bible teaches about Jesus' birth, it occurred to me that really there are two things, two ways that we can help move from humbug to hallelujah. And, and we want to... We want to do these two things during this Advent season, this, this time of leading up to Christmas. And, and one thing we can do is we can treasure God's gift to us. Treasure the gift, God's gift, Jesus. You know, what, what does it mean when you treasure a gift? When you get a gift you really like, what do you do? Well, you look at it, and you, you think about it. And you're excited, and you focus, and you, you savor, and you give thanks, and all of those things. That's, that's what we need to do with God's gift to us. We need to treasure His gift. And so that's really what the message is in this series, is we, we look into God's Word. That's what we're going to be trying to focus on, is treasuring the gift of Jesus. We'll do that today. But the other thing we can do, to help move us from humbug to hallelujah, sort of increase our joy, is to share God's gift with others. Get out of ourselves and and kind of get into the story of Christmas. And uh, that's why we encourage participation in, in this thing called Advent Conspiracy. Advent Conspiracy, the idea here is to go countercultural and to try to put a lot less emphasis on the craziness uh, especially the spending lots and lots and lots of money on, on stuff, and to instead put the emphasis where God puts the emphasis in Christmas, which is worship and giving relational gifts, gifts of ourselves like God did, and also sharing, doing good to people in need. And we have three activities we promote this time of year to, to kind of give us ways of doing that, and those are Operation Christmas Child, Walk and Knock, and our H2O offering. And and uh, I want to celebrate here a little bit. Three weeks ago, we had our, our Operation Christmas Child shoebox packing party down in the gym. Our goal was to fill 500 shoeboxes with gifts, things like little stuffed animals and toys and school supplies and personal items like uh, toothbrush, toothpaste, stuff like that. Kids, kids in need all around the world who, who don't have that stuff, normally don't maybe get Christmas, presents, don't even know what Christmas is. And, they, and our goal is to fill these boxes and, and uh, send them so kids can, can learn about God's gift. 
Learn about Jesus. And so we had over 150 people in the gym packing shoeboxes and praying over shoeboxes. And when it was all done, we didn't have 500. We had over 550. It was really cool. And then, yeah, praise God. That's, that is something to celebrate. And then yesterday was walk and knock. And I hope you got to participate, you know, put some stuff out on your porch. But a lot of us were out there in the neighborhoods uh, hauling bags of food. And it was incredible how much food was collected just here locally. And they had collection stations all over the county. And that, that was a way to give, to share. And uh, if you're thinking, whoops, I missed those things. Uh, I guess it's too late for me to share God's gift this Christmas. No, it's not. No, it isn't. Uh, for one thing, you can still contribute. Uh, the Operation Christmas Child, you can contribute to the shipping costs because it costs $7 a box. And we, you know, we did over 550 of them. So you can do the math. And if you want to contribute, you can put some money in an offering envelope, write on it, Operation Christmas Child, OCC, shipping costs. You can still participate that way. Sign up to be on the Operation Christmas Child email list. Do you know that that exists? You get on that email list and you'll get emails all year round because we don't just do this this time of year, but all year round we're collecting and shopping for those gifts and our team emails us and says, hey, it's a great time to go buy school supplies or whatever, and there's a bargain at such and such a store. So you get on that email list, and you can get to be a part of that as well. And then, this is still coming up, December 19th. That's when we're going to receive our H2O offering. And in case you've forgotten, H2O means water. And <laughs> the idea is we're going to give the gift of clean water. So for the next couple of weeks, here's something you can do. You do without your favorite beverage that costs money. And so you give up your coffee, your latte, your mocha, your Diet Coke, whatever it is, and, and then take the money you would have spent on that and, and maybe more would even be great. And then on the 19th, uh, we're going we're gonna to receive that, and that's going to be contributed to help drill a well for some people in a part of the world where they don't have access to clean water. Try to imagine what that'd be like. I can't even fathom it living here in the Northwest, not having clean water just falling all over you. But imagine that. Imagine that. No access, no nearby access to unpolluted water. What that would do to your family, what that would do to your community. And so we want to give the gift of clean water in the name of Jesus who came to satisfy our spiritual thirst and who said... Whoever gives a cup of cold water to someone in my name will not lose their reward. Okay? Now, these aren't the only ways you can, give, you can share God's gift this Christmas. In fact, just a couple of weeks ago, we had the Gideons here, and their ministry is to distribute God's word all over the world, and they received an offering. Over $1,600 you folks gave. That's going to buy a lot of Bibles. That's sharing God's gift. And there's other things. And, you know, bring friends, bring family to our Christmas Eve program, which is on December 24th, Christmas Eve. <laughs> and by the way, if you're not going to be here on the 19th, you can uh, contribute that H2O offering earlier, or we'll probably still take it on the 26th, yeah. All right. So the idea is... By sharing God's gift and by treasuring God's gift, that, that, that cultivates joy. That's a joy-cultivating thing to do. So we want to we focus now on treasuring God's gift this morning. We're going to do that by looking at a few verses from the first chapter of the book of John. Now, John is the fourth 
of the four Gospels or biographies we have of Jesus. And the Christmas story is actually really not there in John chapter 1. If you read it, there's no mention of uh, Joseph and Mary and and Bethlehem and shepherds and, and angels singing and the baby in the manger. But in John, we really have the story behind that story. And it's amazing. And I would encourage you to take time to read the whole first chapter of John if you have time, because we're just going to barely scratch the surface today. But we're going to look at a few of these verses here in John chapter 1, all right? So uh, in your folder, there's a a sheet, or you can follow along on the screen, or you can use one of the Bibles from the racks in the seat in front of you there. John chapter 1, beginning at verse 1. So now listen, listen to the Word of God. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Verse 14, the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. That's Christmas. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Verse 18, no one has ever seen God, but God the one and only, the one and only that talked about there in verse 14. The one and only who is God, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. And then go back, verses 10 through 12. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not know him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, To those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. If we're going to treasure God's gift this Christmas, we really have to know what that gift is. And what this is telling us is that in Jesus, God has given us himself. That's God's gift. In Jesus, God has given us himself. Now, God gives us countless gifts. Uh, Maybe at Thanksgiving, I hope you took some time to just count some blessings, be thankful for your blessings. Every single one of those blessings is a gift from God. Every good thing God gives us, you know, our homes, our jobs, our food, our clothing, stuff that we easily take for granted, our abilities, And then our families, our friends, our church, these are all gifts. And and when we're thinking rightly, we realize that God's best gifts are relationships, persons that he has given in our lives who love us and, and we love them. And that's why Jesus is God's greatest gift, because Jesus is God giving us the greatest person of all, himself. That's what these verses are saying. Think about about what they're saying here, because this is amazing. This is radical. You know, one of the things that that I I notice is that, you know, people like us, maybe who who hang around church a lot, or if you've been going to church a long time, if you're new and fresh, maybe you're hearing this and going, whoa, that is incredible, and that's really what we should all be doing. But we've heard it so many times, it just kind of, you know, doesn't strike us like it should. Think about what this is saying. Jesus is God giving us himself. 
Because for one thing, Jesus is God's voice. God's voice. Have you ever wished God would speak to you? Have you ever wished that? Have you ever wished that God would just tell you who he really is? That is exactly what he has done in Jesus Christ. Jesus is God's message to us. He is the ultimate explanation of who God is. Nobody's ever seen God, but Jesus explained him. There it says, the word was with God, the word was God. Think about what this is saying. This means that Jesus knows everything there is to know about God. And he knows that because he has been in relationship with God forever. Forever. You know, it says, in the beginning was the word. The word already was when the beginning happened. And the word was with God. Eternal relationship. And, but that's not all. Then it says that Jesus has been God forever. The word was with God and the word was God. So whatever makes God, God, Jesus has it. All of it. All of the power. All of the abilities, all of the character qualities, everything that makes God, God, Jesus has. Jesus knows all about God. And that's not all. Jesus knows all about you. He knows all about me. He knows all about us. He not only created us, he became one of us. The word became flesh human, made his dwelling among us. That means he knows. He knows exactly what it means to be a human. He knows how you think. He knows what it's like to feel the feelings you feel. He knows our needs. He knows our desires. He knows our fears. He knows our hurts. He knows our temptations. Jesus perfectly qualified to communicate God to us. And that is exactly what he's done. Now, you might hear that and think, well, okay. But Jesus was here a long time ago. Can't see him now. I can't hear him now. Well, actually, we can. We really can Because we can see him and hear him right here. And when we receive him into our lives, his spirit makes his portrait in the scriptures come alive. And his voice, his voice has been recorded for us here by the people who who saw him firsthand, who heard him, who knew him, who hung out with him. I mean, they saw his miracles, they heard his teaching, and they wrote it down for us by the Spirit of God. Look at Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. In the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets many times in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by, or better, in his Son. Whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he made the universe. Oh man, there's so much here. The Son 
is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. When we listen to Jesus, we are hearing the voice of God. What is he saying to you? Are you listening? Do you want him to speak to you? I find it's really easy to say, yeah, I really want God to tell me what he wants me to do. I want God to speak to me, but then not spend any time with Jesus listening to him. See, because there's, there's actually more here than just that Jesus is God's voice. These verses also tell us that Jesus is God's embrace. God's embrace. When Jesus came into the world, when the Word became flesh, God had more in mind than simply telling us a message. He had more in mind than simply explaining to us who He is. He meant to give us Himself in relationship, to draw us near, to embrace us, to overcome this immense distance between himself and us. And I'm not talking physical distance here. Have you ever uh, experienced you have a relationship with someone, someone you're supposed to be close to, and for some reason you sense distance, and some, you know something's wrong, maybe you're not sure what it is, not sure what you did, but we're supposed to be close and we're not. Something's up. There's distance. That's the kind of distance I'm talking about, but a lot bigger. Without Jesus, listen to this, without Jesus, there's no way we can be close to God. No way. We were singing a song earlier. Uh, let me see if I can remember what it was. Come just as you are to worship. Do you realize what an amazing statement that is? I mean, you couldn't say that if you were an Old Testament Israelite. Come just as you are. No way. You got a lot of stuff you got to do. There's sacrifices you got to bring. There's certain ceremonies you got to follow. And it's not because God didn't want you to come near. See, the, the thing is, the reason we can sing that is because of the amazing, incredible thing, that, that who Jesus is and what he's done. It's not about how acceptable we are. It's, a, it's about Jesus. And without him, there's no way we can be close to God. Well, you say, well, why not? Why can't we? Well, look at verses 10 and 11 again. He was in the world. Jesus was in the world. And though the world was made through him, the world did not know him. Now, that doesn't mean lack of information. Okay, more about that in a second. The world did not know him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. We've got to understand that the problem of not knowing God is not just a lack of information. Not knowing God is a lack of desire. It's not knowing God because we don't want to know God. Well, why not? Why don't we want to know God? It's simple. We'd rather do things our own way. And God has this habit of wanting us to do things his way. And we have this habit of wanting to do things our own way. We want to be our own God, really. 
That's what it comes down to. That's, that's what the Bible calls sin. Every other sin we do come, flows out of that. That heart that says, hey, I'm in charge. I know what I'm doing. I'll decide what's good and evil for me. Thank you very much. I've got it. No need for God to apply. I'm God. Position filled. And the Bible says we're all guilty of that. Isaiah 53, 6. We all like sheep. (laughs) It's not a flattering image. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. Our sin has separated us. Our sin has distanced us from God. To embrace God is to embrace life, but we've all run the other way. Then there's this gap between us and God, and we can't fix it. And the implications of this are horrible. And they're eternal. Look at 2 Thessalonians 1.8. I really don't like this verse. This is a terrifying verse. He will punish those who do not know God and who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the majesty of his power. Not knowing God is not an intellectual problem. It's a problem of the heart. It's not an innocent ignorance. It's this way. It's a refusal to know God because we don't want to know God. We want to be our own God. And that, that creates this distance between us and God. We can't fix it. We cannot fix it. Okay, where's the good news of great joy? Jesus fixed it. Jesus came to fix it. He didn't come just to explain God to us. He came to take away our sin that separate us from God and bring us to God. You got, you got to read the whole book to see it clearly, but look just a few verses later, verse 29. It says, John the Baptist sees Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus became the sacrificial Lamb, died in our place. That's the whole point of the cross. We're going to be celebrating that in just a few minutes with the Lord's table. Rose from the dead. And all who receive him, did you catch this? All who receive him, to all who trust his name, he gives the right to become children of God. Okay, there's a phrase. Don't let that just, I've heard that a million times. Children of God. How close is that? From being God's enemy to being a child embraced in his arms. Have you ever noticed what kids want? I mean, little kids. What, what they want when they're hurt or they're scared, and they skin their knee or they, uh, you know, something freaks them out, what do they do? And they go running to mom or dad, don't they? What do they want? You ever sit there and look at a kid going like this and go, well, what is it exactly that you want? 
No, you don't. You know exactly what they want. What do you do? You pick them up. Mom and dad, you embrace them. You hold them. Why do they want that? Because of what that embrace means. What does it mean? It means I'm loved. It means I'm safe. I'm secure. I'm going to be okay. And that's not even always true because mom and dad can't always make everything okay. They often can, but sometimes they can't. But with God, it's always true. I'm always loved. I'm always secure. I'm always safe. I'm always going to be okay if I'm in God's embrace. Always. You can be God's child. And you can experience His loving, forgiving, comforting, eternal embrace in Jesus Christ by receiving Him. That's God's Christmas gift. That's what it is. Jesus came to be God's voice and God's embrace to us. And and what does that mean? That means we never have to wonder what God's like. We never have to wonder. Just earlier this week, I was having a bad day. I'd just been going through some hard stuff. And you know what? The thought came into my mind, I don't think God likes me. No, you laugh, but I'm serious. I don't think God likes me. Now, there's part of my brain that said, stupid, that's not true. And how do I know it's not true? Because of Jesus. You know, I can can read. I can see him. I can hear him speaking to me. I know that's not what God's like. I know it's not true that he doesn't like me. I don't have to wonder what God's like. You don't have to wonder either. We know because of Jesus. And I don't have to be separated from God. You don't ever have to be separated from God, ever, because of Jesus. He's God's voice. He's God's embrace. Do you know what the only thing is that can keep you from from experiencing this? There's only one thing that can keep you from receiving God's gift, and that is you not wanting to. That's it. Because you're not done playing God yet. You want to keep on playing God. You want to keep pretending you know how to do it. You don't want to receive Him as God. You don't want to entrust your life to Him. You don't want to entrust your future to Him. You don't want to entrust your marriage to Him. You don't want to entrust your happiness to Him. But if you want God. What a simple question. Just stop and ask yourself right now. Do I want God? Really? I mean, I'm not talking about the little pretend gods that we make up and have around in our heads. We're not talking Santa Claus here. We're talking God. Do you want God? Because if you do, He has given you the gift of Himself if you'll take it in Jesus. Receive Him. Believe in his name, it says. In other words, say to him, God, as best I know how, I, I want to receive your gift to me. I want, I want you. I want Jesus to come into my life. I want 
your forgiveness. I want your leadership. I want you. I receive you. Please, Lord, do that for me. He will do it every time for everybody. I want to know your voice. I want to know your embrace. Will you pray just right now with me? Bow your heads. And right now, ask yourself, have I ever really been serious with God? Serious enough to say, I don't want to be God of my life anymore. I want to quit playing God. I want the God who is real, who made all things, who made me, who is utterly holy, who I have offended countless times by my own pathetic attempts to put myself at the center of the universe. And I want his forgiveness that Jesus purchased on the cross. And I want, I want his embrace. I want to know that I'm going to be okay and that he's going to be with me forever. Have you ever been serious with God? Have you ever said, Jesus, come into my life, forgive me, and be Lord of my life? Because if you never have, you can do that today. You can receive God's gift right now. And I would just encourage you to do that. You say, what do I say? You know, the, the words really aren't the issue. Just right where you are in the quietness of your own heart, you could just say, God, I, I want you. I want Jesus in my life. I want your gift. Please give it to me. The Bible says, whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. I'll give you a quiet moment. And if you already have done that, if you know him, then take just time right now and treasure, think about what God's gift really is, who he is. Father, your gifts are so great and your greatest gift is beyond our, our ability to really comprehend. But Lord, we want to, as best as we can, appreciate your gift of Jesus. Help us, Lord. Help us this season to do that. If there's anyone here who needs Jesus in their life who has not yet said yes to him, Lord, will you, will you bring them to that place that this might be the Christmas that uh, hallelujah really happens to them. And Lord, may we, may we worship in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the Philida Baptist Church podcast. For more resources, visit our website at philida.org.